as we come into this Gift Day Sunday, I thought it would be really helpful to give a bit of an update, some news about some of the churches that we're working together uh, as part of our spiritual family. Uh, we're helping, supporting each other. And so uh, I thought it's a good Sunday to do that. And in the video that you've seen, uh, maybe in these last few weeks, you've seen quite a bit about the church in Krakow in Poland uh, and Bath uh, and Belfast. And so maybe I'll say a little bit about some of the other churches that we're working with. Uh, uh, Berlin under Dave and Jenny Schnitter is doing really well in two services. Uh, actually gathering hundreds and uh, I was only there last weekend myself had the privilege of being there and God is really blessing them and uh, God is moving and God is at work and there's a lot of growth a lot of new people and it's just a joy and a delight to be able to walk in the room there and just feel and sense the presence of God and hear the gospel being preached uh, Matt and Joe Simmons many of you will know used to be amongst us and uh, have gone to uh, plant and lead Liberty Church in Amsterdam. Uh, we had the joy just a few weeks ago of uh, appointing, laying hands on and praying for uh, a whole team of elders to come into eldership. And that was an absolutely brilliant evening. And so that church is flourishing. Uh, it's growing under God. Uh, there's a sense of God's with them. They've got an amazing venue right in the center of the city. And it, again, it's just a joy and delight. And I know Matt and Joe are so grateful for our prayers and all the support that we've given them. Uh, and, and then we're working with Emmanuel Greenwich in London. Uh, many of you will know that. And uh, as a church as well, uh, Ben, led by uh, Ben and Vicky Rowe, uh, who are again doing great work. Uh, ben is a good friend of mine. And uh, again, they're seeing new people around them every week. Uh, Stu Gibbs, who's been around us a little bit recently, is another one of the elders there. And it, again, it's just a delight to be in partnership uh, with them. Uh, Rich uh, Crosby is back in leadership in uh, Ottawa, in Canada. I spent a chunk of last year there uh, working with the church. And again, they're doing well. Again, a great venue in the middle of the city. Uh, it's a theatre, quite a well-known theatre right in the middle of the city of Ottawa. And again, there's just lots of new people coming in every Sunday, real sense of the presence of God, doing really well. Uh, we need to pray for them for more leaders, uh, elders to be raised up, but again, doing really well, Rich and Natalia. Uh, just a sense of the presence of God uh, with them Sunday uh, by Sunday. And uh, that would be, again, the three churches that I probably haven't mentioned uh, would, be, would be Krakow, Bath, and Belfast, uh, again, you've seen quite a lot about them in, these, uh, in the videos we've been showing. So I won't say a lot more about that today, but there's a real sense of joy working together with these other churches, a sense of family growing, a sense of being together. Uh, we just need to keep remembering these churches in our prayers. They so value us as a church, getting behind them, supporting them. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to keep doing that. But as I say, God is at work amongst all these churches, some small, some larger, uh, but God is, God is with them and God is doing amazing things and it's such an encouragement. And so let's, let's keep praying for them, let's keep supporting them, let's keep uh, blessing them, let's keep contact with them. But I thought that would be helpful on this gift day as we're raising money uh, for these three specific church plants just to let you know how we're doing together. Uh, as, as a family of churches together. Believe in God for more. Believe in God that actually 
uh, maybe there's more churches in front of us. We, we, we're talking about believing God for uh, uh, 15 churches, 15 cities. And, and maybe some of those churches, the 15, will not come necessarily out of Brighton. Let's believe God. They might come out of some of these other cities. That would be an amazing thing to do. So God is at work. God is on the move. It's exciting. And uh, let's keep praying for them and supporting them. And now we're going to hear a reading from the Bible and then I'll be uh, looking at this passage and seeing what I, relevance I think it has to our lives today in 21st century Brighton. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I have kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow? Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you, that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. So today we're looking together at this story or this parable that Jesus told. It's for the last parable he told before he enters Jerusalem. And the verses we've read or been read to you at the very beginning, it kind of explains why Jesus is telling this story. And I think what had happened was that the people, there's many people expecting Jesus to go up to Jerusalem and the kingdom's going to break out. He's going to throw off the rule of the Romans and this promised kingdom is going to come. He's, he's healed a blind man just before this and this blind man is going around telling everyone what's happened and then he's been to Jericho and this tax collector called Zacchaeus, he's come into his house and, 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 and Zacchaeus' life has been radically changed and you could imagine that the place is in uproar. It's like, what's happening? And Je says, Jesus tells this story 
for them to understand that the kingdom's not about to break out in the way that they think. And th- what happens with these stories, these parables, is that they would, have un- they would have meant something to those that were hearing them. There would have been some relevance, but actually we look at them and realise that Jesus is t- giving a greater spiritual truth that we'd be wise to take heed of. And that's happening in this slightly strange story. And this is about the story of this nobleman, which we understand to be Jesus. He's talking about himself going away and leaving things to his servants and then returning to see what's happened to them. And on this gift day today, I want to talk to you about the challenge we face to invest our lives wisely. It's a very important topic. And there's three key things I'd like us to learn from this parable today. I can't cover everything that's in this parable with the time we've got, but there's three key things I want us to understand. And the first one is this. um, The authority of Jesus is always challenged. You go, well, what do you mean? Well, let's just look at this, shall we? So pick it up, verse 12. Uh, he said, therefore, this is Jesus talking, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. And you think, well, what's happening here? Well, this would have, the, the local people hearing this at the time Jesus was telling this story, this would have meant something to them because the Romans used to rule by bringing up local governors or rulers from the population and getting them to rule over people on behalf of Rome. And they would ask whoever was chosen to rule to be the governor to go to Rome to receive authority and then go back to the place they lived to rule with the authority that Rome had given them. This is what it means. So they would have thought, ah, this makes sense. People do go to a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. It's how the Romans ruled. But Jesus is telling a story here about his own authority. You see, verse 14 goes on to say, but his citizens hated him. So this is, the, this is the ruler that's going away to receive authority. His citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. We don't want him. And this actually happened. One of Herod's uh, sons was so unpopular that this actually happened. There actually was a delegation that went to Rome to say, don't do this, please. But there's a spiritual principle at work here. You see, God has a plan that Jesus is going to rule over all things, but not everyone wants to receive him or his authority or his rule in their lives. It says in John 1.11, he came to his own, this is Jesus, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. It's been like that for 2,000 years and it's like it today in Brighton and then across the cities, churches that we work with, people do not want to receive him. We do not want this man to reign over us. We don't want him. That's the cry that goes up today in a city like Brighton and Berlin and Amsterdam and other cities. We don't want this man to reign over us. This story is alive for us today. And we can feel like we live against the tide of history. It can be tough. It can be tough. It can feel like we're out of step with progress. We're not progressive people. We're kind of the people that are marching to a slightly different tune. We're not not in step with everything around us. 
it can feel like a, a culture is moving a different way and we're not, I mean, it's uncomfortable. I want to say there's a clash of spiritual kingdoms. That's the reality of what's happening and it's good for us to remind ourselves. Events can they feel like they're moving against us and our king isn't here. Where is he? You can't actually see him with your eyes. It's like he's gone and he hasn't returned yet. It's a bit like this story. The, the nobleman's gone away, but he hasn't returned. And what's happening? It's, we can feel like that for today, spiritually. Jesus has he, he's gone, but he's not come back yet. And is he with us? It can feel like, are we sure he's with us? Events are going, it's tough. There's a pandemic. There's war. There's cost of living. This is tough. Gift day? Church planting? Is this the right moment? My friends, the authority of Jesus is always challenged. You can't wait for a time which feels kind of okay and right. And No, no, no. Jesus came to his own people and his own people did not receive him and he's doing that today. Thank God people are receiving him but there's many, many, many who do not receive him. And how can we know where history is going? How can we know the one who's planning it? How can we know this God is trustworthy? I want to say, if Jesus has been raised from the dead, which I believe with all my heart that he has been, if Jesus has been raised from the dead, then we can believe the Bible. If Jesus is alive today and head over the church and he's not in a hillside, buried in a tomb in Jerusalem, if he's alive forevermore and reigning over the church, then you can trust God that he will put all things right. If he can raise the dead, it's true, my friends. If he can raise the dead, he can do anything. And then through history, this story, it's always looked a bit strange. We can feel like, oh, it's, it's just a bit strange what I believe. This Galilean carpenter, this Jesus from Nazareth who's going to rule the nations, how ridiculous, how foolish. It's what the Greeks thought. 2000, yeah, how foolish. We can feel like that. We can, we can, we can feel like, can this, can this be true? This is a bit embarrassing. My friends, it's always been like that. It's, it, it, it's always been this Galilean carpenter who's going to rule the nations. My friends, if we look around the world today, we live in Europe, we, we, we can feel like the tide is going against us. But I want to say, if you look around the world today, you're looking at Asia, Africa, South America, church is booming, there's thousands, there's millions coming to faith in Christ. The kingdom's advancing. It's happening. The rule of Jesus because he's alive, because he's not in a tomb in a hillside in Jerusalem. He's risen from the dead. He's alive today with us. But his authority is always going to be challenged. But I want to say, if the tomb's empty, he can do anything in city after city after city, in the city of Brighton, in the city of London, in the cities that we're working with. If Jesus is risen from the dead and he's not in a tomb in a hillside in Jerusalem and he's alive forevermore, he can do anything. Even though his authority is challenged constantly, moment after moment, he can do anything. And I want to say today, as you come out of this pandemic, as you come into this cost of living crisis, I mean, you know, things are tough. I want to say to you, I want to encourage you to have high hopes and high expectations about what this God of the Bible can do. 
you may feel intimidated. You may feel isolated. You may even feel forgotten. Many don't want Jesus in authority. And you might be saying, well, okay, then what do I do? What's, what, what am I supposed to do? You're right. We, we, Jesus' authority is challenged. It's always been challenged. It's being challenged today. What am I supposed to do? Well, let's go back to verse 13. We'll go back one verse. Verse 13 says this, no woman returns and he calls, no, sorry, this is, before he, this is before he goes away. He calls 10 of his servants and he gave them 10 minars and said to them, what? Engage in business till I come. A minar is about three months wage. He gives them about a sum of three months wages and says to them, engage in business until I come. So what's Jesus telling us to do? What's, what's his word from the throne? What's he saying today to us? His authority is being challenged. Life is tough. What's he saying? He says, well, it's basically saying, get on with it. Engage in business. Carry on building the kingdom. Jesus says, fear not, little flock. He said it in the Bible. Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I go, what am I supposed to do? Make Jesus famous. Build the kingdom of God. This everlasting kingdom. You say, he's gone away. No, the promise is he's gone away in person, but his spirit lives in us and he's poured out the Holy Spirit on us. He says to his disciples, before, just before he dies, he says, it's better that I'm going because the Holy Spirit is coming. You think, wow, it's tough. Well, yes, it is tough. But scripture says, if you receive Christ, it says Christ now lives in you the hope of glory. And the Holy Spirit's been poured out and is within you. And the Bible says to you now, you're a temple of the living God. The presence of God is within you. We're partakers of the Spirit. What an inheritance has come on us. What blessing, what riches. What am I supposed to do? Well, engage in business till I come back. Jesus says to us today, get on with it. Get on with it. I want to say to you, it is time to plant. It's time to plant, start more churches. It's always time to start more churches because Jesus says, get on with building the kingdom. It's time to build churches. It's time to keep growing this church here in Brighton. It's time to keep reaching out with the gospel. I want to say to you, be filled with hope. Be filled with confidence. Be filled with expectation of breakthrough. It's not a time to shrink back. It's a time for believing God that if, if he's raised Jesus from the dead, he can do anything. Let's pray for the sick and expect them to get healed. Let's set the captives free spiritually. Let's pray for people. Let's expect breakthrough. Let's expect miracles. Let's bless the world. You think, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. No, that's the call of us. We go to bless the world. Bless the world. Bring in the kingdom. Go make disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus tells us to do. Let's keep going. I want to say, I will not stop preaching about Jesus. I will continue to do the business of the kingdom. I'll continue to try to start churches everywhere to make Jesus famous. He's the here and present king. He's present with the church. I was thinking about this. We can, in Acts 19, Paul is kind of pushed out of Ephesus. A riot happens. He's, he's planted this, he's started this church that's probably grown to several thousand. But they worship this god called um, Artemis. And in the end, he threatens the local economy because... 
it's, it's built around this god called Artemis. And, uh, and what happens in the end is there's a riot that starts and they're shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And Paul gets thrown out of the city. He has to flee for his life. And great is Artemis of the Ephesians. You think you're out of step with culture now? Where is Artemis now? I've been to Ephesus. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a ruin. The ports moved away because the ground silted up. There was an earthquake. I stood in the temple where they used to worship Artemis. I want to say to you today, not great is Artemis of the Ephesians. I want to say to you, great is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who's risen from the dead. He's great. That's the one who's great. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the one who's going to rule and reign forever. His authority will always be challenged. But great is Jesus, not great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Today it might be great is the God of the self, or great is the God of independence, or great is the God of me. No, great is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who's risen from the dead and is alive to reign forevermore. And we come today and we give gifts because we need to start more churches based around the person of Jesus Christ so that more people might come to know him. His authority is always challenged. So that's my first point. Second point is this. Uh, the authority of Jesus is always challenged, but let's get on with business. Secondly, invest wisely. Invest wisely. Let me just very quickly say some things I see from this parable. The first thing is this. So verse 16, it says, the, first, the, the nobleman now returns. The first comes before him saying, Lord, your minar has made 10 minars more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. There isn't time to get into the whole spiritual dynamic of rewards today. Okay, let me say three things about investing our lives wisely. Be wise. First thing I want to say is get an eternal perspective. The nobleman does return. He does return. He goes away and says, I'm coming back, but he actually does come back. Jesus has said the same thing. He's gone away, but he said, I am returning. And I'm not returning this time as a baby in a manger. I'm returning in glory as the king of kings. And every eye will see. Are you prepared to invest your life on that basis? That this king is returning, King Jesus. He is coming back. There is a reward for faithfulness. In the busyness of life, we can so easily lose the eternal. We can kind of get shaped by what's in front of us. Will we be a Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 people where it says faith is sure of what you hope for and certain of what you can't see? So we come into a gift day today. Are we living our lives like that? Are we sure of what we've hoped for and certain of what we can't see? Because the Bible says it commends those of old who live like that because they inherit the promises. It's not by hard work, it's by being sure of what you can't see, certain of what you can't see. Is that us as a church today? Are we, people of, are we certain of some things we can't see? Have we got eternity in our hearts? Are we living in the good of that? The, the, the believer says, I know where history is going and I'm going to invest my life against what the culture around me says. It's, it's good for us just to stop and take note of that. It says, I can wait. You see, the person that's like, says, no, I can wait. 
I can wait because I'm sure of what I hope for and I'm certain of what I don't see. We've got an eternal perspective. How are we doing with it? Matthew 6, 19, Jesus talks about, don't invest, don't store up for yourself treasures here where moth and rust destroy and thieves can break in and steal it, but rather invest it into heaven where that can't happen. How are we doing with that? How am I doing with that? See, one day we're going to have to give an account for what God has given us for our lives. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Serious. Get an eternal perspective. It will help us invest wisely. The second thing I want to say about these, from these verses is, uh, owning or managing are things are not our own. And you say, well, what, what do you mean? Well, it says here, do you notice the servant says, Lord, your minar, Lord, your minar has made 10 minars more, not his minar. While he's been away, the servant hasn't started to think, well, actually, this is mine, thank you very much. The nobleman returns and he says, no, what you gave me is now worth 10 times. It's yours, it's what you gave me. How are we doing? What about our time our gifts, our words, our opportunities, our careers, our money. <clears throat> is it ours or is it God's? Does it belong to God or does it belong to us? Are we owners or are we stewards or managers? How are we doing with this? The biblical principle of stewardship it's very important. I, I, I think it's in around half of all the parables that Jesus told. This principle about stewardship. Are we, are we doing it for ourselves or God? Is this ours? Because what can happen is over the years, it's like an entitlement can creep up on us. I know this in my own life. It's like, I've worked hard for this, thank you very much. I deserve this. I've put the effort in. This is mine. And all the stuff that God blesses us with, it could be our career, it can be money, our finances, it can even be a house, it can even be our clothes, it can be our possessions, it can be our family, it can be our friends. Well, I've worked hard, thank you very much. I've done right, tried to do the right thing. This is this working out for me. I have to keep asking myself this, no, no, God, all this is from you. God, help me to steward this well for you. It's not mine, I'm looking after it for you. One day I'm going to give an account. That's what I see, your minar. It's not my minar and I've made ten more. And here you go, you can have something back. No, your minar, it's what you gave me. It's very clear. Invest wise, get an eternal perspective, owning or managing, faithful with little, faithful with much. Faithfulness is the key here. You see, God seems to reward faithfulness with the opportunity for more. Because you've been faithful in a little, it, that, that's a general principle that you get more. That's what I see through Scripture. You get the opportunity to be faithful with more when you're faithful with little, but don't let that be the motivation for faithfulness. If I'm faithful with a little, then my motivation is I'll get more. That's, that, don't make that your motivation because what we don't teach is God is not like this, like this slot machine in the sky where you put money into it, you put money into it and you pull the handle and then more comes out. That's not what scripture teaches. 
God isn't like this one in the sky, we kind of give more to it, he'll just give us more back. There's a general principle of that, but my friends, it doesn't always work like that. I've had to go through much mystery and confusion and pain. You think, God, I've been faithful, it hasn't worked out the way I thought. I want to say, what I think what often happens is we can be faithful, including with our money, and God blesses us, but he doesn't necessarily just bless us with more money back. He blesses us with other things. It's important for us to realise this. Use your skills and abilities well, and who knows what God will do in your life. But don't make that your motivation, is that you'll get some more back. Just do it, because it's, it's a good thing to trust God. Be faithful. You see, Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's just principle of Scripture. As we come to this gift day today, we don't know what God will do in these cities. You don't know what God will do through these churches. Ecclesiastes 11.1 says, It's like cast your bread on the waters. As we come today and give our, give our money into this, into this gift, gift day, it's a bit like cast your bread on the waters. You don't know what God will do with it. But it doesn't really matter. That's not the point. The point is, will I trust God? Will I invest in his kingdom? And I'll let him sort things out. So you don't know who will walk through the door in Belfast or Bath or Krakow in the next year. You don't know whether someone will come in, receive the gospel, become a mighty leader and go and speak to Jesus about many others. You don't know what God will do. You don't know as you put money, as you, as you cast your bread on the waters, be faithful with little. And God takes it and multiplies it and does amazing things with it. Invest wisely was the second thing. Let me just say this to finish. Number three, your view of God affects everything. And you think, well, what do you mean? Well, look, see, verse 20, then another came. Another servant came saying, Lord, here is your minar, which I have kept laid away in a handkerchief. Buried, that's really what it means. I've buried it. Here it is. Here it is. I've got it for you. Uh, the reason I've got it for you is because I buried it in the ground. What? What a, what a strange ending to this story. Verse 21, why did he do that? I was afraid of you. Because you're a severe man. I was afraid of you because you're a severe man. Our view of God affects everything. Do you think God's a severe man? Is, a, is he a severe God who sits in the heavens? He's a just God. He's a righteous God, but severe? He's a hard God? Is that what you think? I was afraid of you. That's what they're saying. I was afraid of you, so I buried your gift. I was afraid of you. I buried it. My inheritance, I've just, I've just kind of kept on to it. See, the master was a stranger to him. See, are we just not sure about God wanting to bless us so we're unaware of whether he's a good God? Maybe you've become a bit dull with this. Maybe I have. I've stopped growing in God. Safety's become more important. Keep it safe. Be safe. Don't take any risks. Just make sure I've got something for God. That doesn't seem to be what brings pleasure to God. Can we trust him? Is he really kind and merciful? 
See, we must all come to know the loving kindness of God. The God of the Bible is radically generous. Radically generous. He's not under any obligation to give us anything. That's the conclusion I've come to in my life. God doesn't have to give me anything. It's taken me a while to get there, but he doesn't owe me anything, and I owe everything to him. Creation is made for us to enjoy. You see in the Old Testament, you see miraculous provision in the desert for his people. You see him sending prophet after prophet to try and bring them back, speaking the word of God to them, saying, please come back to me, please come back to me. Why are you worshipping other things? It's the patience, the kindness of God. And then you see he sends his only son. And you read that Paul's letter to the Ephesians 1.3, he, he says to this church, this church in Ephesus, he says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. I've held nothing back. And you think, oh, it's a bit severe. But I've kept it safe because you're quite harsh. You're quite a severe God. Every spiritual blessing. Keep it safe. You're, you're a severe man. Every spiritual blessing. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, all things, every blessing, every spiritual blessing, all things. It's a bit severe, it's a bit harsh, it's a bit mean, I'm a bit scared. What? Stirred this week, I was just looking again at uh, a man called John, John Wesley who's a famous writer of hymns, and he wrote this hymn, and can it be that I should gain? And I was just looking at it, and I'm going to just read you a few lines here. This is a man that, that became utterly overwhelmed at his conversion. He accepted Christ into his life. Maybe today you're looking in, and you've turned up on this strange gift day, and you're thinking, what is this about? My friends, I'm not really talking to you much about money here. I'm, 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 what I'm saying, this story is, it's more than just money. It's what we do with our lives, and it's not just about being guilty and therefore we've got to be generous. It's about the gospel is so amazing. How can I not do anything else? That's what I'm really saying. We're going to come to give our money in a few moments. When we come to give gifts in, it's not because we're feeling bad or one day I've got to stand before God. We'd be wise to understand that. I don't want that to be your motivation. Let me just read you a few words. This is after John Wesley was converted to Christ. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? He can't, he can't get over it. He can't believe it's true. Can it be? Is this real? He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. That's me and you, my friends. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me. Oh, you're a harsh, you're a harsh master. I'm just, I'm just going to be safe with what you give me. I'm going to bury it in the ground just to make sure I've got something to give you one day. What? God of the Bible, he's, he's so free, so infinite, his grace. Tis mercy all, immense and free. Oh my God, it found out me. My friends, that's the motivation in our lives. 
this God has broken in on my life. Don't deserve any of it. The generosity of God, that Christ himself would come and die for me. I scarce can take it in. It's mercy all immense and free. My God, have it all. It's terrible that we should ever think of God as a harsh man. He's full of justice, but he's full of mercy. The Apostle John, near the end of his life, 1 John 3, 1, says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. See, behold, spiritually understand what kind of love, like what manner of love is this? What, what the, 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 I think the original meaning is, it's like this has come from somewhere else. I've got no frame of reference here, but this, this would be a man in his 90s when he wrote this. He's never got over the love of God shown to him through Jesus Christ. That, that, that we should be called the children of God. He can't get over it. What is this? Where does this come from? What is it? See, our view of God affects everything. Forgiveness, acceptance, adoption, free gift of the Holy Spirit, peace, a living hope, promises. I could go on. Jesus has taken my place. I'm now co-heirs with Christ. See, the person that's convinced that God is pleased with them will find a liberty that comes to be generous. That can be faithful with little. Let the loving kindness of God today fuel your generosity. See, it is a time to keep planting churches, to start new churches. It's a time. It's always time. The authority of Jesus is always challenged but it's always time to plant and move on the kingdom and get on with kingdom business. Great is Jesus Christ. Keep investing time, money, possessions wisely, knowing that God has blessed you with these things and let God's generosity be the motivation. He who was rich became poor for our sake that we might become rich. Bless you today. Let, let, as we come forward and give into this gift day, let's know that God is with us, that God has done more for us than we can ever truly understand.